It's the Mego Museum Podcast. Scott and Brian each sold separately. Hi, and welcome back to the Mego Museum Podcast. Uh, I'm Brian. And I'm Scott. How long has it been since we've done a podcast, Brian? Uh, I would say I, there was snow on the ground for me, so it's been over a month. Uh, okay, well, we're sorry, everybody. We're trying yeah. to, to, you know, I, I, I don't know if we're ever gonna, actually going to have these on a regular schedule, but uh, yeah, we did take a little bit of time off. But one of the reasons we did take time off is it took us a while to line up uh, the folks for the interview that we're going to do on the podcast today. Yeah, and we've, we've been trying in, in desperately to get schedules to mesh. And that's difficult when you've got uh, one guy who works a nine to five job, another guy who's in uh, Pacific Standard Time, and then uh, a guest. So this this is a, a big deal, and and I took time off from work to get this done. <laughs> I don't know if if you did the same, Scott. Um, um, well, no, actually, I can I can, I can honestly tell you that that I kept working right through the interview. <laughs> um, I was I'm I was on deadline painting some some backgrounds for a TV show, and so uh, the, one of the reasons I'm not quite as vocal on the show is I was diligently working. I, I was checking my BlackBerry, making sure I could divert any uh, crises right. <laughs> during right. the time. Right. Well, it was not a problem because, because as people will hear, you know, our, the interview today was with Joe Senna and Paul Clark from uh, MC Toys, and they did most of the talking, and they were really fantastic, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to. So it really and, and was uh, something we could just sit back and let it happen. Yeah, these guys deserve to do most of the talking because whether it's uh, Biff Bang Pow or Spectre Toys or Mattel, they've had their hands in it. They really are the two guys that uh, deserve a lot of accolade for the return of the Mego format at the toy store level. Anyways, um, it's 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 really kind of their ground zero for a lot of this, and it's it's fantastic. And and they don't get enough uh, they don't get enough accolade for it, in in my opinion. So uh, it is a fan. Fantastic interview, and I think we should just go for it. We should just go for it. Before we get started, is there any announcements that uh, that we need to make? Right, yeah. I do want to kind of give an update on Mego Meet, uh, which is our annual convention in June. Uh, a website announcement will be coming out next week. And we're going to start registration, table buys, everything like that. Uh, the the event is in the good hands of Chris Johnson. You everybody should know Chris from Mego Meet if you've ever been. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the results. I, I I have nothing but confidence in him. And we just had a slow start, but uh, we're going to be uh, raring to go very shortly. Excellent. So start making your plans now if you haven't already done so. Get your reservation set up at the Super Eight in Wheeling, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you find all the info on the Amigo Museum uh, message boards in the Amigo Meet section, and uh, by the next podcast, I'll have all kinds of new information. And and there's some neat little surprises Chris has for us um, for Amigo Meet this year as well. Fantastic! I can't wait to hear what the exclusive figure is going to be. Yeah, actually, I don't even know. Well, it's a secret. That's right. Okay. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Uh, this is the first part of a two-part interview 
we'll have part two up, um, I think probably just in a couple of days. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and then we'll be back, uh, in a week or two with a regular Amigo Museum podcast and catch up on, on some of the other news and happenings that's, that's been going on in the world. But, uh, in the meantime, let's sit back and, and listen to Joe Senna and Paul Clark from MC Toys. All right. Well, we're sitting here with uh, Paul, Dr. Migo, Clark, and uh, Joe Senna. I don't think you have a nickname, Joe, do you? Uh, not one that could be said in, in uh, you know, uh, polite company. Polite company yeah. Okay. And they are better known to many of us as MC Toys. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having us. So, um, so. Well, why don't we begin at the, uh, the newest thing? Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about... Uh, Zombies and MC, it seems like the undead are your focus for 2011. Um, the undead have, have pretty much been our, 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 our desire for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with The Walking Dead being as popular as it is, um, we felt this was really a good time to uh, take some of the ideas we've been talking about for the last couple of years and, and finally implement them. We have talked about a do-it-yourself um, action figure customizing kit for the longest time here and because of other commitments we've had with other toys we've just never had a chance to do it and um, the do-it-yourself zombie thing just seemed like such a natural because it, it was it was pretty easy to put it together um, people could mess around with it and not worry about having to look as clean as you would let's say you know a, a make your own superhero or, or something like that um, and, uh, you know, nobody had actually tried combining a model kit and an action figure before uh, that we had seen anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and we thought, let's, let's give it a shot, mock one up and see where it goes, uh, work out some pricing, and then, um, you know, the thing pretty much blew up, as you saw it at Toy Fair. Yeah. How, how has the, so the interest has been good? Uh, it's been pretty overwhelming, actually. Um, uh, we're going to, it's going to be everywhere when it's finally, um, uh, promoted, uh, you know, all the usual suspects like Diamond and Entertainment Earth, and um, we've got distributors uh, at least interested um, from all over the planet. Wow. Uh, really, it was it was really crazy. It was that was just one of a dozen things that we were showing at the at the event, mm-hmm. and um, it, it just it just blew up. Yeah, it's it's a really novel concept. Obviously, being a on a Amigo collector, it's something we're kind of used to seeing, but for for the general public, no, that's that's something that really hasn't been out there before. Well, the general public doesn't know that, you know, when they hear customizing, they think, all right, well, you have to have, I think it's a mental thing, they, they have to have a certain kind of skill set, and, uh, you know, you've got to sculpt, or you've got to paint, or you've got to paint and sculpt. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what model kits did for us when we were kids is it allowed us the chance to, if we couldn't sculpt but we could paint, we could put something together. You know, or if we could paint and and maybe customize a little bit, we could, you know, fix up the model kit to look more the way we wanted to. Um, whereas actually just combining model kit pieces with action figure bodies and a couple of costumes, you know, it clicks in people's head and they're like, oh, crap, I could do this. So I think what we do is just broke down a wall for people to realize it's not that complex to, to think about action figure customizing when you... Think about it more like an elaborate form of model kit building with with articulation, mm-hmm. right? And you you were doing something like that at the previous toy fair too. You had a customization station, didn't you? Uh, we well the 
the idea was to have that kit ready yeah. for Toy Fair uh. last year. <laughs> uh, we just ran out of time, and I figured, well, let's just see if people respond to uh, the concept. So we had my son, who I'm, I'm proud to say was the first minor ever allowed on the toy show floor. Really? Toy Fair show floor. Um, you know, sit there and, and start, uh, you, you know, he'd be painting and customizing himself. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's it's good to hear that that'll be uh, available in mass market because that's gonna that's obviously already a hit with us. And, good. Um, I know just on the sly, one of the sculptors, the zombie heads. It was a really fun project for him because he went on and on about it. Well, he, you know, it, you know, I, I don't know if I, I think we've mentioned it in the Facebook page and stuff, but you know, Sean Sansom, who, who you rec- who you're referencing, yeah. Um, Sean is, uh, you know, he's going to get his credit on the box, and we tell everybody, hey, we've got this really cool guy who does pro Hollywood special effects doing the zombie heads. Um, and yeah, when I approached him with it, he was like, wow, I could do like five zombie heads on my own <laughs> of like various forms of decay. I'm like, yeah, and he, boom, he was like, almost, I, I just put the phone down, he was done. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and Sean's great to work with, and and um, I know one of you guys recommended him. I don't remember. It was it was Fine. me. There we go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's great. He's he's awesome. When we get catch him between films, it's a great thing. I think yeah. he's on Resident Evil nineteen now, or Silent Hill fifteen. Silent or Hill two is the last I heard of him. Yeah, that's that's it. And then he goes into a bunker and he makes a bunch of like very expensive film zombies for people with huge budgets and then he comes out of uh, the bunker and works for us for not the same budget (laughs) (laughs) can you clarify we we love him yeah can you clarify a little bit um that uh, so i understand some of the pieces in the kit are uh uh resin is that correct and and what's the what what's the the approach behind that and how does that work well, I don't think uh, they're they're going to be resin in the final um, in the final kit. I, I think yeah. for the prototypes that we showed, they were resin. Yeah. But, oh, I see. Um, I'm, I'm going yeah, to edit this question. The plan is everything's going to be. The plan is everything's going to be injection molded plastic. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, fantastic. That's well, that's the plan so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, right. I, I will say this. I, I will say this. Given what's going on on the other side of the planet. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that's up in the air. Right. Hmm. So, uh, and I'm sure we're not the only people dealing in petroleum-related products who are um, heavily caveating our uh, fourth quarter plans. Oh. So, it, 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 if the plan is to uh, to make an injection-molded plastic, if for some reason, you know, that side of the universe blows up, then we'll we'll be dealing in resin. So we have we have that uh, resin is a backup plan. Got you. Yeah, and okay. understood. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so the plan would be with the, the the so they would be squishy headed zombie heads. I. Oh no, no, they won't be. I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah. Go no. Go ahead. It's your. Yeah. They're not. No, they're not going to be squishy headed zombie heads. They 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 would be. Uh, they wouldn't be rotocast. It would just. It would be injection molded. Okay. So like a hard plastic. All right. Yeah, it's definitely a hard plastic. Yeah. The, oh, okay. the, the whole. I think that's the, what I was The numbers to behind. Uh, the the numbers behind tooling individual heads um, is just it would it would make it an impossibly priced. I mean, right now it's priced at fifty nine ninety nine, which is still uh, less than you know three Mattel retro figures. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, about the same price as three Mattel uh, Mego figures. I don't know where you get them. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you have the ability to make like a dozen different iterations of zombie. Mm. Um, you know, with this. So we wanted to keep it in that realm and uh, make it like either something the guy would buy himself and spend a year working on or the perfect gift for that person, you know, who loves zombies and likes to put things together. Mm-hmm. And anything over fifty nine ninety nine was going to start to, we think, make it unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you start going into individual tooling and rotocasting for each of those heads, uh, it, it would have uh, blown it out of the park. You also lose, when you go to rotocasting, you lose some of the fine detail lines that we, you know, Sean put in there. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to be able to keep some of that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what we call like the Migo softness almost. Right. Yeah. Well, it's also the other thing is when we, I, I don't think the paint would hold mm. on that. Uh, the paint we're recommending, and um, we're we're kind of hoping that we we've had some preliminary conversations with them. We're kind of hoping they come on board as a co-promotional partner. Is uh, Citadel Paints, the guys who make the paints for uh, Ralph Parson figures? Yeah. Pardon me. Is it Ralph? Par- you know what? I'm I'm using eighties. Um, you mean Ravel? Yeah, no, I was thinking of Ral Partha. I oh. thought that was part of Citadel, but that's just my I, 80s. I don't know. I, I know it's the uh, the Games Workshop guys. Mm-hmm. Warhammer um, is the, probably the more popular name nowadays. Right. And, uh, and, and the, the, I mean, the thing practically paints itself hmm. yeah. with, with those paints. It's awesome stuff. So I don't think that that stuff would work on your classic uh, PVC rotocast thing. Right. Yeah. I'm not I, sure. I think it would, like, bubble off or something. It's a water base and... Yeah, I don't think I don't think it would work. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess when when people are saying, you know, hey, are we actually making Migos uh, w- with with the the squishy head being, you know, a, a part of a Migo, they, then the answer would have to be no. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking clothes and access, you know, accessories, right? Then yes, it is. You yeah, know. from the neck down, they're Migos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think that makes I think that makes a lot of sense, especially from the, the uh, ease of painting. Painting on on squishy vinyl is a little bit difficult, um, right? So, and then at the same time, you're working on uh, War of the Dead. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, War of the Dead is 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 something we've we've tooled around with here at at the shop for some time. Um, when we created. Uh, Fourth Castle Micromedia, formerly known as SphereWorks. The idea was to create our own um, intellectual properties that we would then eventually turn into things like comics and and books and and toys and things. Um, but we kind of went about it at the it, 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 in, in the reverse form. It's harder to sell an intellectual property and and then turn it into a merchandising program than it is to do merchandising for the people and then start folding your own intellectual property in through the through that stream. Huh. War of the Dead started as a, uh, a web series a couple of years ago um, that we shot two episodes of. And um, uh, I think it was actually kind of premature. Now if we did it, I think it would be fine on YouTube and stuff, but there were, there were no distribution methods for it. Um, and it's, it's sort of like a, War of the Dead is a 60-year-long saga of how... Uh, the world descends into your classic Romero-style zombie apocalypse and then comes out of it um, and and treats the zombie situation like any other disaster. Like we've seen Katrina be treated, like we've seen the World Trade Center be treated, and ultimately people get disaster fatigue, and then it doesn't become that big an issue anymore. So you're watching, 
you know, average Joes deal with the zombie situation. And these average Joes have jobs like the commando that we show, like the cadaver liquidator that we show, um, and things like that. But what happens after that... <laughs> it's ultimately whole... it's just another employment opportunity. <laughs> exactly. And, and what happens in that particular series, part of the saga, is, is you find that that, um, uh, that kind of uh, laziness um, bites society in the ass as the zombies evolve ultimately and and i will say this now without getting any of us in trouble the the last stage of the saga is like planet of the apes meets night of the living dead mm-hmm. uh-huh. where you've basically got a a, a a society of the undead um running the planet and uh and and that's kind of where we want to go in fact we've already talked about considering how popular the the figures we had at this at this toy fair have been uh, we are definitely uh, next year going to show um, some of the characters from the uh, the last stage. Oh, very cool! So, so that's that, that's how that's how this whole thing started. So, we, we felt very comfortable saying, uh, you know, how many other intellectual properties have gone out there with nothing else behind it other than a toy? Mm-hmm. Uh, we exactly. said, well, you know, we, we we think we can take this chance and not, you know, get laughed at. No, you're definitely not the first, and it sounds like you guys got a great plan. Uh, I noticed that you're really uh, amping up the detail on those figures. Paul, you want to speak to that? Sure. Um, I mean, basically, uh, Mego was about simplicity, mainly from a, a cost perspective. You know, it was it, 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 they kind of put away detail after having worked on Migos for three years. We're kind of anxious to start putting in more detail, especially in the light of the new action figure market that shows a lot more detailing. You know, the sideshow, uh, mm-hmm. you know, line of toys where, and McFarland, where you see more detailing. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the bar has been set higher. And as we kind of found with uh, Mattel line, I was surprised at how many, you know, dyed-in-the-wool Mego guys were kind of dissatisfied with the, with the simplicity of what we made. And I and I was like, but this is what Mego is, you know. We could do more, you know. So we said, well, let's let's try to make it more detailed and and you know, uh, essentially bring the twelfth scale level of detail to to one ninth scale, where yeah. you can. Yeah, definitely. the The perception of what Amigo is has really gone through a, a lot of interpretations these days. Hmm. Yeah, which it makes sense. We're we're not eight year olds anymore. Yeah. So what was, you know, what what fit the bill when you were eight? Now that you're forty eight, you're you're looking for a little more, uh, you know, detailing in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially with something that's already sort of geared towards adult collectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I yeah, think superheroes are bright colors and simplicity. <laughs> well, we did, you know, we, we we did what we felt we needed to do with with Star Trek and and the Apes. Oh yeah. Uh, which was. You know, it's a toy. If you really want to have your Klingon back, let's get you your Klingon back without you having to spend a thousand dollars. You know, so you've got it. It's up there. You're playing with it. You're giving it to your kid, and you're not, you know, uh, smacking your kid around because he just ruined uh, part of his inheritance. You know, so so we did that. That's never happened. Uh, and, and you had an existing collectible toy line to, and you can integrate and play off of its already its its popularity in the secondary market. That makes sense. It, it, exactly. So so we did that with Star Trek. We introduced some new characters and 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 fit them in so that they looked seamlessly 
like they came out of uh, that, that existing line. Star Trek was a beautiful example of that. The mm-hmm. apes, we just wish the apes were more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. But again, we, we succeeded, we think, we think, with that as well. Uh, when it came to uh, the superheroes, um, the superheroes have been done so many thousands of different ways mm. that when you know, we said, well, let's at least make some improvements on some of these guys because the superheroes are the earliest things Mego did. So when you look at the Mego Superman, uh, I used to joke that he looked like Sonny from Sonny and Cher. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there were some things that you could definitely fix on this guy. So we went in and we fixed them. We, we, we made the face look a lot more like the Superman we know. We, we made sure the S-curl was in the right place. We made sure there was a cleft in the chin. Um, and then we started sneaking little bits of improvements into, into the whole line, so we weren't just duplicating uh, what was out there, because in a lot of respects, we felt that what was out there already with the superheroes really wasn't optimal. Uh, Shazam being a good example for us, because I had Shazam, I loved Shazam, and I freaking hated that Shazam. <laughs> so it was like a personal mission for me to make sure that there was a little bit of C.C. Beck, Tom Tyler, and whatever we were... Uh, uh, you know, compelled to do to be in compliance with current style guides from DC. Right. Um, so that was that, that. That I think was a good example of of our approach toward, uh, um, you know, moving the Mego guys into more detail. Yeah, yeah, and and then you're faced with all the challenges too, because the superheroes have been interpreted so many different ways. Right. That you're never gonna like. It, it's hard to find the definitive Captain Marvel. You know. Uh, yeah. You tell me about him. <laughs> Yeah, I could not be the invective that was thrown out there this year um, when we showed even the prototype um, was stunning. Yeah, uh, I, w- I was, you know, and I've heard this before from other other creators who do things out there who say, look, you know, beware when you get your first uh, thing that, you know, the, the crowd does not like, you know, the crowd turns on you. Um, Shazam was the one that, that, that did it for us. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a bit of a a shocker but a great learning experience. Right. I remember we when we left we were at DC and we were talking about Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, I was I think we I was asking one of the guys about, you know, what facial 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 features, you know, distinguishes Captain Marvel. And he said he doesn't look like Superman. Yeah, like, that that's just a big help. Like <laughs> Neither do I. Same guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's basically the same guy with a different face or yeah. a different hairstyle, you know. Handlebar mustache. Yeah. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, what I noticed from the criticism, though, was nobody really was, everybody had a different idea of what was Captain Marvel. Yeah, it was, it was like the blind man and the, uh, the, blind man and the elephant. Mm. Right. You know, it's, uh, at the end of the day, you, you just got to put your elephant out there. And, and say, you know, it is what it is. And, and the irony is now that's probably one of the more successful figures that they put out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the final product a lot. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the gold, but I realize that's not your decision to make. You know? Oh, no, actually, it was. Very yeah. much was. Really? Yes. I thought that would have been a style I guide. I more yellow. And Joe made me realize that, uh, with a two-by-four, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, like, like that would work. Look, <laughs> That the yellow is done and done and done, and the gold in that in three D will you know that that you have with Amigo, oh, you yeah. have that real cloth thing, and if we can get the gold right, it really is striking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, and for me, it was the Tom Tyler thing. You know, it was it was uh, 
you know, the Captain Morgan, uh, Morgan, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did he wear gold, too? Uh, you know what? I tell you, I mix up all my former clients are starting to come in just like one big, um, yeah, anyway, Captain, uh, uh, the Captain Marvel serial of, of the 40s, um, with Tom Tyler, you know, in gold, and you realize that, that, that's probably one of the reasons why they went with yellow in the, in the comics is because they couldn't render the gold right. So when they did the the comic, that's uh, the the movie. That was probably what they meant all the time, and it gave it more of a classy, classy thing. And I've heard a lot of comments where people were commenting about the gold on the cape, which thank God they they, they really nailed it, mm-hmm. you know, in production. And it gives it a a much more elegant more elegant look. So yeah, we were the ones who who went in there and said, yeah, this has to be gold and not yellow. And it was a bit of a it was a bit of a fight internally. Yeah, huh. it it does it does look smashing. I will say that. Thank you. Yeah, um, and I think I read, I bought the Chip Kid uh, Captain Marvel book recently, and I think that I read that C.C. Beck never wanted that to look like he was wearing tights. It's actually a uniform, and he's wearing pants. So uh, yes, yeah, uh, which is which is pretty much where the the Tom Tyler thing uh, went. It was it was pretty uh, pretty close to it. That's another reason why we wanted to make sure that the snap on the on the shirt was there. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, even though, according to DC compliances, you know, I mean, that he's still wearing tights. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was—he was not—he uh, wasn't wearing like strongman, a strongman suit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I learned something that day because I, I would have always thought he was wearing tights. But I'm a '70s kid, and I grew up on uh, you know the Jackson Bostwick. So, that's yeah, what, the TV show. Yeah, uh, Jackson Bostwick. I saw he's, he's at a convention coming up. And and, and uh, the promoter was trying to get me to buy a booth for the Fearworks line there. And, and he, on the flip side, he's got a pop culture thing. He's got Jackson Bostwick at this convention. And I'm actually going to this damn thing just to meet Jackson Bostwick. <laughs> that's that's my that's my you know fanboy in me. It's like I gotta I gotta meet Shazam. <laughs> you know. He's a really nice guy, as I recall. Is he? Yeah, I uh, I was coming out of a hotel and he was just sitting in the lobby uh, yep. one morning waiting for a shuttle to the, the show and I, I just said hi to him and he was just very cordial, very nice man. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Happy to be there, which is rare sometimes at, at those kind of conventions. <laughs> it must be still new to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, off no, topic. No problem at all. Um, the the next line that you guys announced this year, which has probably made a lot of people very happy, is that you're continuing Night of the Living Dead. Now I, I know, Joe, this is this is a personal project of yours, almost. In that year, uh, it, it it is actually we, we Night of the Living Dead were the first Migos we were trying to put out there, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we didn't want to do it without the cooperation of of the actors, and it took us two years, right, Paul? Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to get around certain other players in, in, in the industry who are claiming to either be in contact with or own certain rights to or blah, blah, blah. Um, and until we got it all cleared, we didn't, we didn't do anything with it. As, out of all that, as it turns out, uh, we own now the merchandising trademark for Night of the Living Dead as, as a property because even though the film's in public domain, the rights to, uh, to the name merchandising were wide open and nobody was looking for looking at it so uh we we grabbed that and now and and we also have relationships with all the actors so now 
uh, anything Night of the Living Dead has to be made through us. Um, and what we do is we just pass the monies along to the actors or the producers. Oh, we, we don't make a dime off of anything Night of the Living Dead. And, and uh, again, it was just us finally getting the opportunity to, uh, to do those, those next two figures this year. Um, you know, our, our skills have improved, our contacts have improved, and our, 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 uh, our factory contacts uh, are much wider than they used to be. So we have found places to make them uh, less expensive. Um, we were getting quotes where we'd have to charge like $25, $26 uh, for those figures, and, and that just wasn't going to work. That's why it's taken so long. Right. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, that's been one thing that a lot of people have asked me about. As if that was coming back, because you know there was actually kind of a a, a low key hit, I think, with a lot of Mego collectors. Uh, it must have been over time, because I'll tell you so. I could vouch for the fact that when we first put it out, it wasn't a hit. <laughs> no, <laughs> which also kind of led to the decision to lay low for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, how many cases would you like? <laughs> <laughs> I, all kidding, all kidding aside, uh, the the um, uh, I, I, there is a special that. Um, I can say Diamond Comics is going to be putting out where uh, uh, you've heard those stories where toy companies suddenly find this, you know, store of stuff in the warehouse. They had no idea it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, now that there is such a demand for the originals, uh, Diamond is taking the remaining figures, which weren't as many as I thought. Remember that, Paul? I yes. thought we had like 100 cases. Oh, oh really? Oh, really? Fraction. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a fraction of it. And I'm like, oh crap! Uh, we don't have any. Uh, so, so you mean I should raise my price? Then? I think it was <laughs> on the website. <laughs> so rare. So anyway, Diamond Diamond wants to take the rest as as a way to uh, warm up uh, the audience for um, uh, for the next two. And and they say that the, the numbers are already getting on on uh, the next two are pretty strong. So I don't know what it, what it was, man. Economy, awareness, more people having eight inch figures. I don't know, but yeah, series two seems to be. Heck of a lot more popular than Series One. Oh, that's fantastic! Good to I hear. Think Karen, I, I think that's it. It's, they're, they're finally getting the Karen doll, you know. And and uh, again, Sean Sansom, you know, nailed Kyra Schoen's likeness. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Carolyn Seister, who is the uh, the unsung hero of of our prototyping unit here. Uh, Carolyn uh, rooted the hair on a resin head on the resin head prototype. That's and a rare it, skill. And it got that that total like you know. Got the curls in the right place, falling over the half of her face. It's just, it's. I'm, I'm amazed at what this girl can do. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's making use of the new, uh, the new body, right? The childlike yeah, child body. body. Yeah. Yeah. And that that came about through your relationship uh, working with Biff Bang Pow, correct? Yes. Yes. When they wanted to do um, Willie and uh, Talkie Tina. Taki Tina, and that's another great yeah, success story you guys have is, is working with Biff Bang Pow. You've managed to be behind about eighty percent of the stuff that came out this year, and and some of the hotter licenses too, correct? Yeah, uh, we're. I mean, we're not doing the bobbleheads. No, no, I know, but just but the but retro there. cloth, I guess, is what they call it nowadays. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate that term too. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like it either. <laughs> we're, we're just, let's call amigos until somebody sues us. <laughs> They're, they're Migos. Okay, we understand if Diamond can't say it or anybody else, but they're, they're, they're effing Migos, okay? Period, close, quote, sentence, story. That's you hear that, Lego? Yeah. You hear that? <laughs> you want a piece of me? You're going to get a big red brick through the window, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> so, 
so uh, the 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 relationship with Big Bang Pow has been has has been amazing because those guys are are doing what we what we don't do. We don't have the balls or the resources to go out after licenses. Licensing is a big, crowded, expensive game where a lot of guys in tuxedos sit around the baccarat table and start betting millions of dollars. We we like to play the slots. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to to partner up with people who are going to go out there and say, look, let's use the eight inch format as a way to to uh, you know get a lot of product out there and and please the fans and try to keep the cost down where we can. And suddenly here we are. How many years later? Four or five years since uh, we started uh, this thing. This is four. Yeah. Uh, and how many Mego figures are out there now? Mm. I've, I've so, lost count. Yeah, yeah, literally. We've lost. It's hard. Every so often when I rattle off everything, I find I'm forgetting some. Mm-hmm. So, so what's happened now is we've finally done what would happen in the 70s, which was if it was a, if it was a popular character, there was a Mego of it out there. Mm-hmm. And, and people would then start collecting based on the format, which we're now seeing you know, an influx of, of new folks coming in and doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially with some of the non-traditional, like Venture Brothers. Right, well, Venture yeah. Brothers, I thought was brilliant to be able to get that because uh, that. I mean, I've, I've watched that on Adult Swim, and that's definitely geared towards our age, and it brings it into like the twenty-somethings. Oh yeah, you know, I've I've got a nephew that's uh, twenty-four now, and you know he he inhales Venture Brothers. Yeah, while well, he's inhaling other people. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much what, I mean, come on, let's face it. Yeah. You know, Adult Swim, it's, it's the 420 movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, it, is, it is a great line, and it's, it definitely is bridging a gap, I'd say. And, and you're right, Paul, those, those, the guys who create that show are clearly Mego heads. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the neater things I saw in there was um, there's a Dr. Venture, I think it's the the action jackson uh dune buggy but it's oh yes it's yeah. re- the packaging is repurposed for dr venture it's very quick but it's in in, in yes. one of the episodes yeah. and that's just yeah. you have to be kind of hardcore to even know what that is that, well, I, that think, is I, I i really uh, think brian we need to sit down and do like a special on like all the amigo and jokes that are going on in the venture brothers there's 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 definitely a lot of them i was at WonderCon this weekend in san francisco the build-up to to comic-con and um there was so there was first off there were so many people walking around in venture brothers costumes like i would definitely say like dr girlfriend is like the hottest cosplay uh, character there is and I saw uh, several 20-somethings, at least two, I would say, walking around with Biff Bang Pow uh, Venture Brothers figures in their hot little hands. So that was very, that was very exciting to see. And it's not all, this, this whole movement isn't based on, you know, the desires of, you know, 40-year-old men. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Is that, is that, that I mean, I, I was thinking this morning that, that what you guys have done as far as, tooling the the Mego body, tooling everything that you've done, and then opening that up to let to license to other customers or to other companies to use, is uh, it's it's really kind of seems kind of innovative to me. I mean that that there are several different companies that are going to be producing action figures using the same body. That's even something that that you know, didn't happen right. with Mego, you know, right. it's, it's like you had Mego and then you had the Ahi body or the LGN body, but, 
Because no, it's, it's a, a different it's... way to look at. It's a different way to look at the the, the market. Um, we're not, you know, we're not trying to build a, a toy, a big toy company. You know, at this point, with with this line, you know, mm-hmm. what we're looking to do is make sure that what is done in this is quality, instead of uh, if and uh, you know, instead of letting anybody come in and and start doing this stuff. I'd rather work with people who want to do it, who have respect for me, go, and they can, they can, like, uh, Jay Pispo doing Captain Eli, you know, doing Commander X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing where I, I see where he's going with it, and it's got that, that right vibe. And Absolutely. Instead of him being a competitor, I'd rather him be a, a, an ally. So, you know, it's like, fine, you can use my tooling. I'll even put the figures together right now while we're in the in the embryo stage. But at some point, this thing's going to take off, and and I think it's it's got uh, it works well as Mego. Can I get you? is also so different nowadays. You know, it's uh, um, there's so many companies out there, and there's so many licenses that you know if we just wanted to do what Mego did, which was put out one particular line of figures. Um, and and then get every license out there. Uh, it, it would just be a, a very backward business model. Um, whereas just saying, look, you know, now this is a very specific type of format, very specific type of style. Let's come in and migoize your license. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we come in, migoize it, and get out. You know, we're not going after your your, your you know the license at all. Um, a, it does create a lot of strong alliances. B, it does give everybody a chance to say, look, I've, I've touched this format. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it just seemed like the wise thing to do. That's all. It keeps, uh, keeps us involved. It keeps us involved in the quality control. It keeps us involved in, in the format and, um, you know, makes a couple of bucks at the same time. And it's caused an explosion. Whereas, you know, we used to get excited if one or two things were in the <laughs> one-ninth scale. Now it's an excess of riches. It's it's fantastic. Uh, as long as we can all keep it in, you know, realistic price points, you know, I think that's uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the good news is a lot of guys are now realizing that you know because there are so many of them out there, um, it's not like uh, the market is flooded. But obviously, there are only a certain number of people who are going to be able to to pick up on on these things. Mm-hmm. Collect so them all. Now everybody's kind of spacing these things out. So yes, during the course of a year, you could pick up one of every Mego type figure out there and not and not uh, not go broke. Um, yeah, yeah. Last year it was a bit of a challenge for my credit card. At one point, I and well, yeah, and I think you'll see that changing because you notice, you know, uh, uh, the retroaction stuff is now spread out a little bit more. We're now doing, um, I think, two Star Trek figures a year, two. Excuse me, four Star Trek figures a year, um, two Universal Monster figures a year, um, whatever Biff Bang Pow tells us we're doing. <laughs> um, you know, so, and it makes sense because you hear here a couple of years later and you've got what you had when you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, you had a whole bunch of eight inch figures, all the guys the same scale from different universes and they're all hanging out together. Yeah, that, that's exactly how I like to think of it. It's its, a, it's, its own little universe. Trying to keep it from being a bubble, you know. Yeah. Every everything done in the scale, and then we're all done for sick of it. It was close. I think I think last yeah. year was close, as, as as you were just saying. It it was really, 
it got to a point where everybody kind of said, wow, this is cool, but whoa. Mm. You know, and the collector markets changed, too. You know, um, you know, this recession hit everybody pretty hard, which surprised us at how well these figures did in light of that recession. I think I might have an answer to that. I think that the the one six scale market got really hit because they tend to be over sixty dollars, and a lot of people mm-hmm. wait wait until the stuff goes on clearance. And and mm-hmm. whereas uh, the nineteen ninety nine price point is pretty elastic, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, it it seemed that way, and that's that that's why we gambled on what we did with uh, the War of the Dead stuff, is because we think we found a way to make it affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to get close to 12-inch detail as much as you can. There's some things you just can't do. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with, with, with cloth and stitching. Um, but, you know, why should you spend $60, $70, $80 for a figure when you can get pretty close to it um, at two-thirds the size for maybe a quarter of the price? Exactly. So that's the plan. So look for a lot more detail and weapons and accessories and, and cool stuff you know, with with the things that we're planning on doing. Yeah, like this this year, I mean, the the bargain of the year, I think, for me was the Universal Monsters. I mean, I got two monsters for under thirty five dollars. Mm. Pretty cool. Where'd you get? You know what? I think <laughs> I got. I don't remember. Mego Store, maybe. <laughs> uh, but um, they they got it from Fearworks. <laughs> <laughs> I I might know a guy on the inside of Mego Store. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they they were just. Just for that, the value of those figures alone was was unbelievable. I would have easily paid twenty five a pop for those. Yes, uh, and you yeah. should have. Yeah. <laughs> those, no, those are beautiful. They they were done well. They they were beautiful, and uh, you know, uh, it, it uh, you know when I hear these guys uh, kvetching about you know they should be fifteen bucks, and I'm like or ten, and I'm like, you know, I don't I don't think you you're being truthful about the state of the market. I don't think they have kids that collect Star Wars figures. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess that that that's a very good point. You know, I mean, I'm amazed at what they're asking for for these tiny little pieces of 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 churned out plastic. Yeah, you know, at, uh, at much smaller volumes too. Like, yeah, what what did I see? What did we see at the Toy Fair? We saw that the Kotobukiya was putting out the the two pack of the stormtrooper who's six inches tall and mm. I said, Wow, these are great and they said, Yeah, two of them in a box for seventy five dollars I'm like Jesus Christ unless Whoa. unless you can have sex with them <laughs> I'm just I'm just, pressure does not warranty that. <laughs> I'm just not sorry I'm sorry. That's just crazy. Uh that's that's taking advantage in my opinion. Yeah it's I mean, a- you know, and I know that every star, true Star Wars fan's gonna come out and, you know, say you know what they say about that, but I, I just don't think, from an adult perspective, um, that that's that's a wise thing to do. Well, I think it's kind of a function of how much do they have to pay for the license. Mm. Still, you do you, you do your math, and eventually mm. you, you do you, you hit to uh, you put a graph together, and and there's the part where the line goes past. Does this make sense? Yes. Yeah. You know, or or is this the right thing to do, or is it sustainable? And and I want to have people collecting these toys. For 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 years, you don't want them suddenly saying, "Well, you know, I spent my fifty bucks on this one. It's really cool. It's got a lot of accessories, but you know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, buy the rest of the stuff." It's uh, it, it's it's crazy, and I think that that's pretty much what happened with the collector market overall in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and that's why it's thinned out so much. Is people thought, um, I guess, with the sideshow mentality, 
which is, you know, these guys will skip a meal before uh, uh, before they decide not to buy their stuff. And, you know, son of a gun, eventually these guys got hungry. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, fact- and I'm glad. I'm glad. I think it's really thinning out the herd, and it's, uh, it's, it's you know, right-sizing this thing. Exactly. You guys have been fighting a bit of an uphill battle for a while, getting the kind of the Mego brand back into picture. When, what was the thing that you guys decided you had kind of made it or, or made a dent? Was there a moment when you thought, okay, we're, we're, we're getting through? Well, for me, it was the day we were in DC's comics offices and uh, they brought out Superman and Green Lantern straight from Mattel. You know, the first, uh, you know, the first figures that they had gotten from Mattel. Yeah, I guess that would be a pretty big deal. <laughs> that was, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, that was when I really could plant my flag and say, Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, superheroes. Done. You should have seen that Paul was crying like a little girl. You <laughs> 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 said you'd never say that. Right. <laughs> the Green Lantern really did it, though. I mean, yeah. you know, Green Arrow was nice to see him out there, but when you're looking at a new production version of a new superhero in Mego format that yeah. that definitely freaks you out. Mm-hmm. Like wow, this this really got done. You're right. Green Lantern was the Yeah, Superman had been done. Green Lantern was definitely where we got. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to continue the line. It was one of the guys that everybody's been asking for for so many years. And then when Flash came out, it was a similar feeling even though it was a much simpler uh simpler one and um yeah, I, I think yeah, for me it was Flash and uh uh, Flash and Green Lantern. Yeah, I got to admit, holding uh, a amigo-sized Flash that didn't have brush strokes or a, a resin oh, yeah. head was 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 kind of weird. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. It's uh, it's a real moment where you're like, is this a dream or is it real? Well, we, we've had so many near misses too. I mean, famous covers and and uh, mm. did the DC Signature series. They were all just like stop shorts. Where you couldn't put them on the same shelf, they look like bigger brothers. So it was, right. it was really something else to go. Hey, this kind of fits. That was what I was actually worried about mm-hmm. uh, when you know when tells like we're gonna be working with you guys, and I'm like, okay, but are you gonna just not listen to us and end <laughs> up in a different scale? And, you know, yeah, do do the the common mistake of saying it's got to be an eight inch body. No, I, you know, <laughs> literally, I, I, you know, Joe and I were kind of like. Okay, why don't you just do it in our factory? Yeah. And, and then, of course, you come across the realities of of what, you know, Mattel has to, what can and cannot do from a legal perspective. That was another big eye-opener. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that they had to use the big gym body and couldn't use the original Mego body because you can't really trace back, uh, you know, the, the, the rights, at least to the level that a, a multi-billion dollar stock-held corporation can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the liabilities for them is tremendous. These guys are still smarting from the whole Bratz thing. Um, right. You know, and that was another reason, another thing that compelled the, the need to do the sculpts differently. If you look at Green Arrow, if you remember, we were talking way back in the beginning about doing Green Arrow the same way Green Arrow was done. And then they said, well, let's trim this back. Let's trim that back. And then, and then you realize, okay, we got pretty close, but... Yeah, we got rid of the goofy, you know, crumb-catching beard. Um, the sideburns kind of came up a little bit more realistic. And and it came from the fact that they needed to change the sculpt enough 
that there couldn't be any liabilities. And that pretty much opened the door for us. Mm. And said, okay, well, if, if that's what we have to do, um, then let's really start fixing things. But Mattel's factory, um, having to deal with that and having to deal with the need to retool the body for various other reasons, uh, all of these things that have happened with the Mattel line have been tremendous learning experiences for us. Mm-hmm. When you when you say Big Jim Body, is that just sort of a, 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 a name for it, you call it? Because it doesn't seem to have a lot of similarities between Big Jim. Yeah, it's it's similar. Similar. I mean, you can, I mean look, we looked at a naked Big Jim next to the Mattel prototype we got, and we were looking at it going, yeah, okay, I can see... You know whether it's a house design style or mm-hmm. or they actually meant to dip back into the big gym model, you know. But it it yeah, it's kind of a euphemism for right. You know, I just said that because it's got two syllables. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly He Man. No, no, no. Yeah, he Man has two syllables too. <laughs> yeah. So does Barbie. And hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hot Wheels. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Batman, Superman. Oh. You guys, you guys have um, obviously had a lot of input on the on the retroaction heroes. What input did you have on the Ghostbusters, if any? Uh, that was it, there wasn't a lot of input there because they were very determined to go after the uh, uh, the cartoon. Yeah. Right. And when you've got that there, what else can you do? Exactly. Uh, so it was more more question of compliance on. On, on the use of fabrics and uh, how to keep it feeling retro. But at the end of the day, once you put the cartoon complaint head on it, you're in a different different world. Mm-hmm. So uh, our, our input was there, but again, not coming at it from a, from a uh, superhero kind of approach, there really wasn't much we could do that was going to make it different um, from, from what it had to wind up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, you know, um, and, and and we were pretty busy with superheroes, right? So we weren't even you know looking for too much involvement with Ghostbusters. And you know, Ghostbusters honestly is it's an '80s thing, yeah. You know, and and we were still trying to figure out how to make the '70s look cool, right? And uh, you know, there's there's a, a certain passion for Ghostbusters now that's very specific to that generation. That we don't share. Um, I enjoyed the films, but you know I don't get the same thrill from seeing Slimer that I guess you know somebody in their early thirties would. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was a passion project more for them than for us. Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, the Ghostbusters they they'd put out their their twelve inch versions, I believe, or their yeah, and six inch and twelve inch and six inch. So at the end of the day, production wise, now you've also got other economies of scale. How could we have added to the backpack? When all they had to do was really shrink down the backpack, you know, from the twelve-inch version, mm-hmm. you know, and and, uh, and and things like that. So, uh, you know, what are, what are we going to do? We sculpt it and sort of say, well, Mego would have left this gear off. Oh. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I, I hear you on the on the on the. Uh, it's more of somebody in their early thirties. I loved the movie when it came out; thought it was fantastic, but I don't own a shred of merchandise. Well, yeah, I, it, I I think I was high when I saw it. Yeah, it was the eighties. I I, yeah. I I can use that as an excuse. But uh, can we say that? Can we say that on this podcast? <laughs> I think I think we're I think we're okay. Okay, but having having said that, I'm really glad that 
we can sit there and say that there are Miko Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, because that definitely pushes this. You know, it, it's kind of this um, tug of war on 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 this uh, on making these. It's it's are you are you trying to be more modern or are you trying to be more retro? Right. And I'd like to see it kind of move out of the seventies. You know. And more into the, the present. I, I agree. I think, and as, as you saw, it's starting to get there with the way the line, the, the DC line evolved. When you go from Green Arrow, which is basically the same Green Arrow with, with a haircut um, yeah. and, and, a, and a fix on the belt, well, to Captain Cold. Yeah. Which, you know, which I knew nothing about the character, I'll be honest. Um, uh, and, and, and the fact that he just got accessories and, and the suit being. Uh, a, a different kind of fabric, and and for that, look, looking at that and saying, oh yeah, we can go here, mm-hmm. um, and then what we did with Shazam, and it's, uh, I still hate right. calling him that, but yeah. but uh, you know we definitely want to go. We think we've done the seventies. Uh, we we've pretty much finished the seventies. Now it's what can we do with the eight inch format, and and I think we showed that with the War of the Dead and the um, and the uh, uh, the zombie kit. And we're saying this is where we want to go with it. Absolutely. It, it seems like a natural, almost evolution of, of of the concept, right? And and people are asking us about Marvel too. They're saying, "Oh, when are you going to get to do Marvel?" We're like, "Well, you know what? Honestly, what what are the challenges there?" You know, uh, not to mention the fact, quite frankly, we just love working with Mattel and we love the DC people and and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's not like the old days where Marty Abrams could have just you know walked down the street and gotten DC and Marvel. Now there are well, they were handled by the same house. Back then, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, now you've got two gargantuan corporate wars going on. Mm. Yeah. Disney and Warner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to get in the middle of that crossfire. Are you a a crypt or blood? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, we we did the DC guys. Um, We evolved them from... You know, early Mego to you know things are getting a lot more detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I had my druthers, you know, Paul, I think you can agree that if we had a chance to do a, a an iconic DC character in eight inch format with a whole crap load of of detail and accessories, mm-hmm. um, we we'd be all over it. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and that's not that's not giving anything away. No, no. no. I, I, <laughs> You know, we should we should address getting to that. We should address the elephant in the room. Um, I know you can't reveal anything about retro. Elephant? Well, I, I mean, in terms of DC retro yeah, action. Yeah, blind men. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the your official statement on the DC retro action? Just so we can address the the issue. Um, I, I I never had sexual relations. Yeah. With it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you mean official statement? Statement about what the status of it? The I mean, status it, of it. it yeah. Uh, the the status is pretty simple, which is like like I said before, is like there were so darn many of these things cranking out mm-hmm. that um, you know there are I think four or five more that have not been announced that uh, uh, that we've finished. Uh, there are a few more in progress that we're doing. Um, I think you'll probably just see uh, see less of them being churned out. Mm-hmm. You know because uh, you know God, how many we were putting out like. We do a month or something. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah. And it got to the point where 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 we kind of went to to the guys at Mattel and said, "Look, this is this is great. Uh, we don't think it's sustainable. 
number one. Uh-huh. Uh, number two, um, it's, it's not giving us a chance to step back and look and see how it's doing. Uh, then we were getting reports from, you know, uh, all the, all the Toys R Us Hawks. Um, you know, there's still Sinestro warming up the pegs, you know, which, which was important to hear. But then, of course, you got the, the chicken littles out there saying the sky is falling, the line is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you come back and you say, well, no, it's not true. And then you get guys who are whipping out like Toys R Us sales reports or something, you know, uh, or, or whatever. Uh, you know, I'd like to know, A, how they get them, and B, you know, who do we report them to? Um, you know, the line is not dead. It's not even near dead. However, when you go to Mattel during their little Q&A sessions and you start asking, is the line dead? Um, they are, by nature, going to report in the most politically vague way possible. Right. And and that gets translated by, I will say, those with an agenda um, as, oh, well, it's definite. The line is dead. Yeah. Line is not dead. Line is not near dead. We're still working on the damn things. They're still <laughs> paying us for the damn things. Um, it's just that I think the uh, the momentum um, is is becoming a lot more right sized now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Jesus Christ! I mean, Japan's radioactive, and uh, uh, the Middle East is on fire. And um, you know, I'm I'm sorry that we're not putting out as many uh, of, of these goofy little superhero dolls as fast as as everybody would like. <sighs> He said with the most <laughs> possible condescension. <laughs> you want to add a smiley to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wink and a smiley. Wink and a smiley. But you know, it's like it's like saying, "I hear there's going to be layoffs." Yeah. Well, there's no, you know. Well, you can think whatever you want, but until somebody says something definite, yeah, I assume everything goes ahead, and we just keep, you know, mm-hmm. we keep working. Right. Yeah, you know, I won't deny that there are times where we, you know, crap our pants based on on feedback that comes back. I mean, Shazam definitely had us go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which was which was so it was important to have that kind of feedback. Um, to hear that Sinestro was warming up the pegs was was definitely a, a cry internally about you know what we can't space this out and start filling it with with uh, you know secondary characters. Mm. Right. Um, you know, so so that kind of stuff's important uh, to to, uh, uh, but but then when when you know the, the Shazams of the world and the Captain Coles of the world start selling as well as they do, and selling out at comic book stores, um, you know, you got to realize that the the momentum probably isn't predictable. Mm. Yeah. It depends on how you get them. It, the, the, what I hear though the most, and I know that. I'm going to get my ass kicked on the boards for this. So I can already hear teeth clenching. Um, is, you know, it's nice to say I walked into Toys R Us and I bought this off of a peg. And it feels like Christmas 1974 again. Mm-hmm. It's not Christmas 1974 again. Yeah. If it makes sense for these things to be sold online or at your comic book store, and that's how you get them, you know, God bless. Yeah. But, but... The insistence of having to recreate that that strange moment in 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 uh, in your childhood mm. um, in in an unrealistic, disproportionate manner. I better stop now because I'm starting to, <laughs> to come up. 
<laughs> you, you're preaching. There's only so much we can do. That's yeah. the part that freaks me out the most. Right? It's yeah. like, hey, we brought it back. Isn't it cool? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we're not going to tuck you in bed at night and give you hot cocoa. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit, I'll admit that when Khan came out, um, I drove in a snowstorm to get it at the store. But <laughs> I'm I'm also in Canada, but, and those moments yeah, are Canada rare. Canada always snows. Well, no, that... <laughs> It's constantly snowing in Canada. <laughs> Actually, it snowed this morning, so I better <laughs> shut up. Um, Defense risk. <laughs> uh, but I, I have I have nothing, no choice but to order this stuff online. So I don't even understand the idea of waiting for Toys R Us. You know, um, we got Wave Two in here, and I couldn't believe we got that at Toys R Us here. Because... The, the the math that, uh, that uh, I, I've said this on the boards that the the math. Of, of Toys R Us sales is is just like Lovecraftian geometry, mm-hmm. in that it's impossible to understand and it will make you insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I, I hear you know Toys R Us who came to us at Toy Fair and raved about what we did and started explaining. Well, you know there was this and there was that and we'll, we'll this will happen and this will fit. I I'm like just tell me when you need some toys made. Yeah. I'm like I don't understand how that works. Um, uh, you know, uh, my my point is support your local comic book store. Support the guys who are the inheritors of that experience. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Who needs uh, the money a lot more than Toys R Us? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, you know, if you really want to go that far back, you know, are you going to be able to go into your local child world and buy it? No, because they don't exist anymore. <laughs> I, I actually bought a second set of Universal Monsters at my local comic book shop because they were there and I was being an impatient baby. But... um just because he he got them in, I yeah, wanted to yeah. prime the pump a bit and go. Oh, I appreciate this. I want you know. I want to do more of this. Let me, go ahead. Let me say this: every comic shop takes this stuff on a non-returnable basis, right? Mm. And he is the original mom and pop, right? He has got no resources behind him, and right. this guy has got to hope that you buy it for him to make back the ten bucks he's going to profit off of this. Testify, brother. To, yeah, to mm. get to pay his rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the guys who absolutely need help um, because they go through these ebbs and flows. They they talk about the death of the comic book, and then these guys all crap their pants for a year or two, and all of a sudden something huge happens, and then they're good for another four or five. But I know guys who are now in their 50s who have been doing it for a long time. They're like, I don't know if I can put up with the roller coaster anymore. Hmm, so, yeah. you know, Toys R Us is Toys R Us. God bless them. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you really want to see any, and not just our line, if you want to see any line survive, Demand it through your comic book store, or support your local, you know, e-commerce guy, or buy them off a Maddie collector. Mm-hmm. You know, so at least that their, uh, you know, their strategy uh, for e-commerce is is going to work. There ain't a lot of us out there, guys. I hate to break it. No, uh, to I mean, there's not, there's not millions of us. Not for, the '90s anymore. For heaven's sakes, don't forget to use the the links on the Mego Museum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I, in fact, your most reliable source for this would be the link to the Migo Museum that take you to our friends at Entertainment Earth. That's right. So, I, so what's their ad for the Flash? We've only waited 35 years for this. I wrote that. I, am. I think that's... that's, that's uh, I wrote that. Scott doing those ads, right? Yeah. Okay, that seems like a good time to stop part one of... The interview with Joe and Paul from MC Toys. We're going to be posting part two at the end of the week. So in the meantime, you've got plenty of time to sign on to the Mego Museum and discuss the podcast and head over to Entertainment Earth and place an order for some hot MC merchandise. 
and we will see you in a couple of days with more from Joe and Paul at MC Toys and more of the Mego Museum podcast. This is Scott for Brian saying, collect them all. Bye, Mego.